today, it's going to be at the end of service, and I just want to make sure you know that baptism is not a, uh, hey, if you feel like it or if it's convenient, Jesus said, be baptized. So it's, a, it's your first act as a Christian should be one of the first acts of obedience to God's word. When you're saved and you make him the Lord, that means you obey what he said to do, right? Right? So God's working on you, and this is an act of obedience. It's, baptism doesn't make you saved, okay? It makes you obedient, and it, it teaches you and trains you. It is a picture of your old life being crucified with Christ, all your sin, all your past being buried in the ground, and then rising up anew and afresh with God and his spirit in you, making all things new. The Bible says when you're born again, you're a new creature in Christ. All things are past, all things are new. Amen? So if that's you during the service, I'm just, as the spiritual authority over this church, I'm loosing the Holy Spirit to move in your heart. I'm asking him to speak to you down deep here in your heart and even speak in your mind and say, this is you, this is your day, you should do this. Because it's, it's an act of obedience and it's an admission into a club. Not just a club, a, a serious, almost like a gang for God. Like, you don't get out of this gang without, it's going to be tough. So once you commit in front of all of us that you're going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ all your days, you give us all the right to speak into your life. You give us all the right to pray for you and to encourage you, but also to exhort you and challenge you. Okay? So make the commitment if you want to, but don't do it because it's something you think's cool because it's not about being cool. It's about making a commitment, okay, where there's no other alternative. So... Think of that during the service, and uh, we'll, we'll be doing those baptisms later on. Sound good? A few announcements. Um, we do have uh, a marriage ministry happening on the 20th. Is that right? The 20th. We're doing the Escape the Room. It's up here in Yuba City. They have a great uh, place here, and we're going to go get pizza before. So if you're interested in that, talk to me or my wife or another couple in the church, and we'll get you hooked up and signed up for that. Also, don't forget, men's camp is the first weekend in May, and then also we have kids, high school, junior high, and high school camp coming in July, so you want to start planning for that and invite people to that. Old Oak Ranch is a great campground. I know this church has supported that forever, so have I been there from the early, mid-80s. It's an awesome place. Uh, get filled with the Holy Spirit and get, get your calling there. Kids, guys, there's going to be pe people that go to this camp this summer that are going to be called into the ministry. These kids are going to be the leaders of tomorrow. And so we need to be praying for them, but encouraging and, and helping that. But if you're in a junior high and high school, talk to Michelle. Michelle, raise your hand real quick. Talk to her, and she'll get you all signed up for that. Camp is awesome. Don't want to miss that. So let's pray, and let's ask God's blessing on these tithes and offerings. And I just want to encourage you, church, that our church, it is our responsibility as members of this body to support this church. And, I, and I, people get so weird about money. It's really easy. It's all God's. He gives you it all, you give him 10 back, and you manage the 90. That's about all it is. Tithing is about being a good steward of what God has given you. It's also about honoring God with the first fruits of your increase. Whenever you get an increase throughout the whole Bible, Old and New Testament, God always give him the first fruits of what he's given you. So I encourage you to do that. It is, by the way, an act of faith. It's not easy. If it was easy, everyone would do that. Everyone would be just peachy king with God and filled with the Spirit and working in the gifts and people be healed every day. There would be no sick people on the planet if it was all easy. Okay, so, but if you can't get a hold of this tithe to God, that's an elementary level thing with God. If you can't grasp that or get a hold of that, that's your in, elementary entry level thing into believing and trusting God with everything. Are you with me? No guilt trips. If, I don't, if you don't want to give, that's God's the one who supplies all of our needs here at the rivers. But I want you to be faithful because it's going to help you and bless you. Amen? So let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word never returns void. We thank you that once you speak out a word, it will always accomplish what it was sent forth to do without exception. And so, God, we thank you for that. We thank you that your word's true and that you will bless the person who gives, Father. That was your promise. So we give you these tithes and offerings, Lord, and we uh, ask you bless them for the kingdom and for this city and for the gospel to go out. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said amen. Amen. amen.
All right, so we're going to get into the Word. Get your notes out. Get your Bibles, apps up. Get your, your pens out, whatever you need to do. Get your notepad out. Um, I trust that you guys, uh, if you use my, the notes I provide, that's great. You don't have to, but it's only a, a way to help you stay focused on what we're teaching because we are teaching a very important subject. Very important subject, guys. This is something that church is about. We're on a journey, guys, and we're on a journey about learning how to come into the presence of the king, the king of the universe, the creator of everything. We get to be with him. Amen? So in that journey, we need to learn because there's always been a process or steps in approaching God. And just because Jesus came and died doesn't mean those processes and steps are null and void. Those steps have always been helpful to get us as human, as people that have, we have a body, we are a spirit, right? Say that to yourself. Say that to yourself. I am a spirit. You are a spiritual being. You are a spirit. You live in this body. This body gets you around. But this body is going to die one day, and then God's going to resurrect it in a new body, and you get to live in that resurrected body forever. Are you guys excited about heaven? You know, heaven is real. It's coming. It's closer than it ever was before. The day is approaching. If you are any, look at anything prophetic in the, in the history of the world, we are in a time that is so exciting because God's redemption draws near. It is coming soon. Jesus is coming back for a church that is white and ready to be married. Amen? And so we as a church need to encourage each other to be ready. Part of that encouragement comes through our gathering together and worshiping God. That encouragement comes as we come as a body and we put aside all the things of this world, all the worries, concerns, and fears, all the relational issues, money issues, job issues, all the junk, and we put that, we're supposed to leave that outside the door, and we come in here and we worship God with our whole hearts. Remember we talked about worship being a journey, about a journey from the flesh into the spirit, being connected with God. Do you know that your spirit man is connected to God's spirit when you're born again, right? So when you are born again, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians that your spirit and the Lord's spirit become one, okay? A a beautiful picture. Marriage is a beautiful uh, picture of that, that we become one with Christ. And so the Bible talks, in, and also in Romans 12, that it's a process of renewing the mind that we come into an alignment with God's word and his thinking. And so it's in the process of worship that we get our thinking in alignment with his thinking, and we become even more one with him, right? So the more in line with God you get, the more in line with his thinking that you get, you get his word in you, and you start thinking like God thinks, Then you start acting like God acts, and then you start living like God lives. You start living because he is in you and he's working out of you. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's important because worship is a key place for us to come together and to be honest and open before the Lord and for him to transform us. Remember the crucible? The crucible about gold and silver, the refining process, we talked about that in this series. If you weren't here for the series, I apologize, but get it online. You can listen to the whole series online. Get it. It's an important series that you need to get in your heart. But the crucible for silver and gold is to bring up all the dirt and impurities in the gold so that the goldsmith has a refined gold to work with. And that's us. What worship does and is for us is it's a refining process to raise up all the stuff that doesn't need to be in our hearts, in our thinking, and God, the worship brings it to the top, and then the Holy Spirit can say, hey, remove that. See that thinking right there? See what's in your heart right there? See that fear? See how you're afraid to lift your hands because you think so-and-so is going to make fun of you or you're going to look strange or whatever it is that you're thinking? That's a thought that's not in alignment with God, and you need to take that thought captive, right, and make it obey Christ and say, thought, you're not of God, get out in the name of Jesus, and drive that out. That's coming into an alignment with God. Are you with me? Because this is important, church, that we understand because we're on the last Hebrew word that we're going to talk about in this series And this is a journey about us coming into his presence. And I want to talk a little bit quickly about 
last week, because I mentioned C.S. Lewis last week, and C.S. Lewis has great insight into the Heavenly Father. And I want to I want to revisit what he said, uh, what we said last week, a quote from him, and then add one other quote from him to give us an idea of what praise and worship is about. So listen to this. So C.S. Lewis said this in in a book he called Problem with the Psalms. All right, and so he says this. But the most obvious fact about praise, whether God or anything, strangely escaped me. He said, I thought of it in terms of a compliment, approval, or giving honor to somebody. But C.S. Lewis said this, he said, I had never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise unless the shyness or the fear of others is deliberately brought in to check it. So all joy spontaneously turns into praise unless shyness or the fear of boring others, fear of man, comes in and checks it and doesn't let it, let it get there. Because God, God, we are created for his pleasure. We are to enjoy, have joy in our relationship with God. It is to be not a turmoil, not a do's and don'ts list. It's a relationship. It's a passionate love affair with the creator. And worship is a part of that, guys. And so when we come into his presence, we can't allow the shyness or whatever excuse you want to put in there that would keep you from giving him all. Okay? So after that, he goes on to say this. The world rings with praise. Lovers, lovers praise their, their spouse or the husband. Readers, their favorite poem. Walkers praise the countryside. Players praising their favorite game. Uh, praise of the weather, wines, dishes, actors, motors, horses, you know, on and on. And then he says, except where intolerably adverse circumstances interfere, praise almost seems to be the inner health made audible. Inner health made audible. Because whatever you enjoy, if you're in love with God, it will produce praise in your life. And it will make what is inside come out. So C.S. Lewis says that it's actually about praise seems to be the inner health made audible. So it's saying if you're healthy in the spirit, inside your heart, you're going to praise more. In fact, I had a teacher tell me once, a great teacher said, the spiritual healthy praise most. That's in your notes. The spiritually healthy praise the most. Well, what are you saying, Doug? If I don't lift my hands and do all that stuff and, and yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying if you praise less and hold back your praise, there's spiritual unhealthiness that you need to deal with. It's a factor. God told me when I first got into ministry, I was in a youth pastor, and I looked out, and I was uh, looking at the kids, and some kids were up there, and we were singing, and music was great, and we're just, and some of the kids were pressing into God, lifting their hands. It wasn't just about the hands, but some were kneeling. Some were just, their eyes were closing. They were singing with all their hearts within them, and then there were some just going. And I looked down, and I'm God said, know this, Doug, if someone isn't willing to lift their hands to me, they will never lift a hand to help you in ministry. It, it was a leadership concept. It was a leadership role. And so I've always had that in my mind that when people are afraid or whatever unhealth spiritually is going here where they can't even do this, and they, they can't, I mean, in a room where this is okay and this is fine, no big deal, it's not a big deal really. Hell makes it a big deal because he doesn't want you to do it. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that in just a sec. But in a room where you should do that, you don't, and it's a place where we all believe in God, we all are trusting God, we're all learning about God, we all want to have more of him in our life, and if we can't even praise him and make that what's inside come out to God, then what does that say about our inside? I know, and I'm going to say a lot of things that are going to hurt today. They're going to poke at your spirit. You're not going to be comfortable. Some of you, I've been praying, will leave a little upset today. I want you to come to me and go, I didn't like what you said. You better not go to someone else and say, I don't like what Doug said, because that's gossip. 
So if you have something to say about what I'm saying, please come to me. I, would, I want it to provoke you to come talk to me so that we can work out the junk right in here. That's holding you back from giving God 100% of your life and experiencing the power of God flowing in and through your life every day, church. I'm here to make you a better player. I'm a coach. I'm a spiritual coach, and I want to make you the best spiritual person you can be. But sometimes a trainer has to make you hurt. Are you with me? So, <laughs> hurt me. So praise is health made audible, inner health made audible. The spiritually healthy praise most. So remember this process as we get into your notes a little more. The spiritual healthy praise most. God is after a change of heart. Remember, the process of praise is not about a, a systematic formula. These words aren't a magic formula in the Bible, but they show a general process to come and approach the very throne of God. Because you know that God is present with you when you woke up today eating your English muffin and coffee, right? So he's there with you if you're saved. He's present. He's also present when you walked in the building. He's also here right now, okay? But there's a different degrees of God's weightiness or his glory his heaviness can be at different measures. See, if God fully came in this room without any holding back on his part, we'd be laying all over the floor. A lot of us would be weeping because of the sin that is currently in our life, and we're in here at church knowing that I've got, I got this stupid thing that keeps attacking me, and I'm trying to overcome it, and you're frustrated, and it's, it's, a, it's a habitual sin. Some of us would be weeping. Some of us would be uh, crying. Some of us would be uh, uh, singing for joy. Some of us might be just hilariously laughing because God has been so good. But see, his, his glory can't come fully on us because we couldn't handle it. But we could handle it. But we couldn't handle it. But we could handle it. Are, you want to handle it, right? Give me more, God. And so that's what worship is. It's really a cry, God, come and manifest more of you. More of you in, in our church, more of you in my life, more of you in the secret compartments of my heart, the secret compartments that nobody knows about, the attics of the heart where you've stored unforgiveness away or you've stored past sins and, and the failures of your past in that attic and you've shoved it up there and you don't let anyone up there and you've held it back and you've never dealt with it. If the glory fell, the attic would be the first place the light of his glory would shine. So you have the choice, we have the choice in worship to choose to say, God, See if there's any wicked way in me. See if there's anything twisted or off or wrong and show me so I can get rid of it and repent and turn. That is worship. That's the process of it. So we learn in Todah, our first word, a quick review, was a heart of sacrifice. Good job. A heart of sacrifice. Hands, the picture of that Hebrew word is hands out facing up. This is the picture of the Hebrew word Todah, which means to bring a sacrifice of praise and it's really about having a heart of sacrifice. This is important, guys, because you are going to have to put this principle in practice in about 25, 30 minutes. You're going to have to put this principle where you're not going to feel like singing. You're not going to feel like pressing into God's presence. You're going to be start thinking about, oh, I'm getting baptized, or so-and-so's getting baptized, or, well, I wonder where I'm going to go for lunch, i got to do other stuff today. So you and me have to make the choice when we go into corporate worship to make the choice and the sacrifice to tell our flesh that I don't care what, how you feel, flesh. I talk to myself all the time, by the way, and that's okay. I talk to myself. I don't care what you feel like, flesh. You're reading your Bible. You need it. The Bible is the word that's a flesh. It's, it's meat for your spirit, man, and you need some protein. I talk to myself. Talk to yourself. Tell your flesh. Flesh, I don't care what you feel. I don't care if you're embarrassed, but you're going to worship God with everything. You're going to take it to the next level today, flesh. I don't care. Are you with me? So todah is that a heart of sacrifice, hands facing up. Second we got into is yada, which means uh, hands up high, but it means a heart of what? Surrender. So a heart thrown up. And remember the word of yada was to throw. Like it's also translated to throw an arrow. 
So it's actually to get your hands and throw your hands up towards ah, A-H on the end of the word was to, towards God. And so to surrender to him, so a heart of sacrifice. Thirdly, we talked about shibach, which was a heart that is sold out. And remember, the shibach was about shouting the great things of God. And, and it wasn't about shouting as loud as you can. It was just about loudly declaring with no fear and no shyness. And you didn't care what other people think. It's the part in worship where you're getting more and more into the courts. You're getting past the gates Okay, there's a gate process, there's the sacrifice, there's all this stuff, and then there's the courts and the, the presence of God that we're getting into. And this is where you're entering more and more. You've got your flesh subdued, you've made the sacrifice, you're surrendering your heart to God, and now you're becoming more and more like, no, I, I love God, I'm doing this, I'm not afraid, I'm going to, there may be a little fear there still, but you're like, I'm not afraid, I'm going to do it, right? So that's a process of getting in there, not caring about what people think. You're sold out, and your shouts about God's greatness, Four, we looked at the process of zimir, which was a heart that is steadfast, a steadfast heart. And this zimir really talks about to pluck the string. And this was when we really get into singing and even dancing and actually playing the guitar was part of this word zimir, which talked about this form of praise. But it talked about in the scriptures a steadfast heart, that you were getting your eyes fixed on Christ, you were getting your gaze off of all your past problems, all your issues that are going on and on to Jesus. And then we went into Berek, which was a heart fully yielded. And what was the shown of that? Bended knee. So that was a heart that was fully yielded. The picture of that word was physically a bended knee. Not a forced bended knee, but a willing heart bended knee where you willingly go, God, I yield myself to you. I don't care what I think or feel right now. I'm going based on your word. I will declare over my life the things that I will do and the things that I will say will be based upon what your word says. Your word is final. It's the final authority. I don't have to think on that. I have to meditate on the word and just do the word. It always is successful. God's word is always successful. And then we got into halal, and we did that last week, and we talked about on Resurrection Sunday, we talked about hallelujah, and we talked about what was halal. A hall was a heart set. Everyone's like, oh, I can't remember last week. It was a long time ago. A heart set free. So a heart set free. Remember, we talked about the resurrection. It was about a boastful praise. Remember, it was almost where you're, you're, you, you can act clamorously foolish to where you're, you're so past these other beginning stages, your heart's fully yielded, you're already at the point where you're, you don't care what anyone thinks, you're so fixed on God that you're getting so enmeshed in his glory and his goodness and all he is that you're, you're becoming to where you just start to dance and, and twirl. Like, remember King David? We talked about that when he took back the ark into the, into the city of David, and he began to leap and dance, and he took off his royal robes, took off his kingly robes, and just danced around and just and had a day. And remember his wife, Michael, Saul's daughter, said, oh, look at what a fool you made in front of all the people today. And said, what are you, basically, what are you doing? And he said, this is nothing, girl. It's going to be more than that. I'm going to get more uh, base in your eyes than what you saw today. That meant he's going to give it more. I mean, King David was the psalm of psalms, right? He, he wrote a lot of the psalms. And he, his heart was about getting everything within him to praise the Lord. Every part of his being, every part of his mind, every part of him were to praise God. And so halal was a heart set free. And as you notice, the condition of the heart is changing, right? Do you see that? You see the heart going from a heart that's hardened, self-willed, not wanting the things of God, to a heart that is now soft, pliable, and free. Free to be the person God has created you to be. Because really getting a heart of God is really coming into who God's really made you to be. And a lot of you think, well, I'm who I am. No, you, a lot of us don't even know the real uh, person that God's made us to be. God has created you and fashioned you and formed you for specific things in your life. And the more we get in front of his presence, the more we discover who we really are and what he's created us to do and our gifts and all the things that he's made in us. And then today I want to talk about, for a few minutes, our, our last Hebrew word. There were seven Hebrew words that we talked about. 
and seven Hebrew words, different words, all were translated to praise in, the, in our English Bibles. So you could see how, wait a minute, if we have seven totally different words, and they're all translated the same exact word in the Bible, that would be pretty dull translation, right? We're not getting the full meaning. So as we've broken these down, we've looked at the vast hugeness of the word praise, which is bigger than just, let's just praise the Lord. Because we could say, todah the Lord, and that's going to be about a sacrifice. Versus when we get into the word today, tehillah is a whole different realm. Tehillah is a heart in love. This is the final, coming into that final stage where you are head over heels crazy about God. This is the type of worship that God really likes because this is where all that stuff's you've washed out that stuff, you've gone through some fire, he's removed some stuff, and now you're getting yourself pure, purer and holier as you go through that process of getting rid of wrong thinking and wrong junk, and now it's a heart of love. And the act of this, it's a dwelling place. This praise is the only praise in the Bible that God says he will dwell in or inhabit. We'll talk about that in a sec. So God necessarily doesn't inhabit, dwell in these other six ones per se. But in this form or part of praise, it's a part where your heart's so in love, you're at a place where you're so, it's a, it's a place in worship where you forget you're at church. Or you're at home and, and you forget and it's been an hour and, you've, and you're just like, whoa, I was just praying and, and singing to God and it was one o'clock and all of a sudden it's two o'clock now. I, I, the time flies. It's like you go to sleep, you wake up, you're like, how did I just spend eight hours? Second. That is Tehillah praise, the praise where your almost time begins to freeze and you're unaware of it because you're getting more and more connected with the creator. Are you with me, church? You're getting more and more connected with him and therefore you get more and more in his presence and then the things that matter to us don't matter anymore. It's a beautiful place to be. So Psalms 100 verse 4, we've, we did this a long time ago with Todah because both Todah and Tehillah are in the same verse, and I want to read that again. It's a familiar verse. You probably heard it. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. It says, enter his gates with Todah and his courts with Tehillah. So not a, any of those other words they could have used for praise, but they used the word tehillah because tehillah is the result of where we're going. We start with todah and we end up in tehillah. We start with a sacrifice and a choice of our will to say, God, I want you. I'm going to do it even though it's not easy. And then I'm moving towards an in love, fatuated state with you where I care for nothing else except you. We got a couple couples here getting married. May and July, and they're excited, nonetheless. And we all remember when you first fell in love, and you're first there, and it's all, everything's, oh my gosh, and you got to spend time. I mean, Chris lives with me, so I know when he gets home, it's like, he couldn't leave Allison again. Oh, you know, he gets up in the morning, he's like, oh. said, so it's hard to leave your girlfriend, and he's like, yeah. We say, like, Let's go to bed early. You know, let's go, go to sleep earlier. Yeah, yeah. I did the same thing, right? Because you're in love. You're in Tehillah. You're infatuated with a person. That's what God wants you to be with him. Are you with me? This is, this is important, church. If we don't get this concept of worship, we're missing the major point of coming together. So many great things can happen in the Tehillah type of praise, because that's the goal we're getting. It's the threshold or the doorway between being in his vicinity and being in his actual presence. Do you want to be in the same city as the king, or do you want to be in the same room with him? Are you with? That's the difference. And you don't just get there by showing up to church and singing one song, and you're in the throne room. You get there by doing Toda, Yada, Barak, Shabak, Zimar. You do all those things to help you get to that place where you can be in the room with him. Because if you try and just walk in that room just with all your junk hanging all over, it's not going to work. 
You got to get ready for his presence. It's the difference between in the crowd watching a concert, your favorite singer, or on stage with him. What would you rather do? Would you rather be in the back row or maybe backstage or on stage with him? Big difference. A lot of churches have normal praise and worship that you go and you're just a, you're in the crowd and you're you're in attendance. Are you with me? Attendance versus with are a big deal. It's about it's the same as anyone have a favorite book. It's about reading a book versus having coffee with the author of the book. Do you know we can have coffee with the Holy Spirit every morning? We have access to the creator of the universe, church, that will talk to us, encourage us, direct us, love on us, shine light on us. Every single day, guys, we have that opportunity to be mentored by the Holy Spirit, and it's our choice to do that. Because it's not just in church that we do this worship. It's our life that we do this, whether it's in the car, in the bedroom, at school, whatever. We are entering into God's presence by seeking after him hardcore. So I don't know what you want, but I want... His presence. I don't want to just be around God. I want to be with him. And that's what our goal is. The goal is to get out of the flesh and out of the fleshly thinking and into the spirit. So Psalms 84.1 says this. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for the joy of the living God. And then down in verse 10, it says, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. So look at David's thinking, because if you look at the verse we just read in Psalms 100, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with tehillah, with an infatuated love focused on him type of worship. Then it says, he says here, this is what it's like to be in his courts with tehillah, it's Better is one day in his courts than a thousand with anyone else you would want to spend it with. Better than a thousand days at your favorite vacation resort. Better than Tahiti or Hawaii or wherever you like. Oh, no worries. It happens. It better than a, one day is better than a thousand anywhere. So think of the best possible place you would ever want to be, the most exciting place. Maybe you've never been there and you want to go there. One day just in the courts with the presence of God is better than a thousand days in Hawaii or on a world cruise or whatever your thing is. Come on, that's a big deal, church. And we have that access to do that and to go there every single day. But. It's hard. It's not easy. You know, David learned this secret in Psalms 91. Psalms 91.1 says this, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. It's about finding that secret place. And what is that secret place? His Tehillah presence. His actual presence it's having coffee with God. It's being with him. It's knowing him and him knowing you. It's you hearing his voice and you talking to him and him talking with you. It's him knowing you and being with him. David found that secret place. And look what that secret place brings in your life. I would encourage you later to meditate on Psalms 91. It's a fabulous psalm. Look at verse 2 and on. It says, I will say to the Lord, he is my hope and my fortress, my God in him will I secure myself. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the mortal pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou be secure. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor for the pestilence that walks around in darkness, nor for the destruction that waste at the noonday. Thousands shall fall at thy side, ten thousands at my right hand, but it shall not come near me. I don't know if you realize what that's saying. That is saying, it's huge because being in that secret place with God, you could be in a war and have a thousand fall and ten thousand fall, 
but nothing would even harm you. I'm telling you, when the day comes where there's a sickness coming out, a plague, I want to be in the secret place where it says pestilence will not touch you. Those of you that have terror night dreams at night and have fear, he'll drive that away in the secret place. I'm telling you, getting in that place of Tehillah music, uh, a worship, is a secure, safe place to be and is a powerful place to be, church. So let's define Tehillah a little bit. Tehillah means, let's look at the definition here. Uh, there's a book out called Deliverance and Spiritual Warfare Manual by John Eckhart. And he defines Tehillah as this, meaning to sing, to laud, that's high praise, uh, to, to sing halals. So the most common translation I've seen of it is Tehillah is to sing halals, which is the word we talked about last week. So to sing them. To extravagant praise, to give high praise. So this is a high form of praise. It's not, and to me it's like, wait a minute, there's a high one, there's a middle one and a low, you know, there's a process like we've been talking about to enter into his throne room. There's a process, so it's about giving high praise. So just so we get those again, meaning to sing, to laud, sing halals, to extravagant praise and to give high praise. Another book I was reading called The Hallelujah Factor defined Tehillah as this. Tehillah is the fourth fourth most frequently used word relating to praise in the Old Testament. Occurring over 50 times, it is derived from halal and is generally accepted to mean the singing of halals. The word means to sing or to laud. It is perceived involving music, especially singing. Singing has always been vital to the worship of God. Aside from this word, which involves singing, there are eight different other words translated praise in the King James Version. There are also 300 mandates in the Bible to sing. Singing is a vital and indispensable form of praise. Now, I'm going to go on a little rabbit trail here, and I am probably going to offend you on this one. And I, and I don't like offending. Don't, don't think that I enjoy this, because I might smile, but it's still hard for me, and I have to fight God. And, God, do you really want me to say that? Do you really want me to bring that up? I know there's going to be a lot of people going, oh. So, but we're going to do it, and then you can take what you want with it and pray with the Holy Spirit and see what he says to do. But I, want, I was reading in a, another book of the purpose of singing, and it was a biblical study on Psalms. And you guys remember who Martin Luther is, right? Martin Luther, the great reformer, the 1400s and the 1500s, um, was a great reformer, and his big thing was justification by faith, right? That's a big deal in our Reformation uh, period. But I want to take a few uh, looks at what he thought and I've never seen this, so this is new to me and fun for me, and I, and I learned it this week, about what he thought about singing. Singing is powerful, church. Singing praise to God is a powerful weapon, powerful weapon. So let, let's listen to what he says. So he said, music has a particular power, or this, this is the author, uh, music infuses words with a dynamic energy that merely speaking them could never achieve. Uh, he quotes another guy, not Martin Luther yet, um, his name's Warren, and he said, at this, he said this, I am convinced that congregations learn more theology, good and bad, from the songs they sing than from the sermons they hear. Many sermons are doctrinally sound and contain a fair amount of biblical information, but they lack the necessary emotional content that gets a hold of the listener's heart. Music, however, reaches the mind and the heart at the same time. It has the power to touch and move the emotions, and for that reason can become a wonderful tool in the hands of the Holy Spirit or a terrible weapon in the hands of the adversary. Singing songs can be a blessing and can be a curse. Just think about it. He said the sermons, there's more sermon in a song than there is an actual sermon, and that's true. And I want you to think of this, church. When you listen to music, you are listening to a sermon. You are listening to someone preaching a message. You are listening to someone who is preaching either in line with God's word or out of line, and it's not God's word. So whatever you listen to, and I'm not going to get specific, there is a great series, a video series that you could watch if you're interested that goes in depth of music and the Satan's working in music from way back to now. And it's completely obvious when you watch this thing. But I don't care what you're listening to, but you've got to know this. 
You get maybe a sermon or two a week. Maybe you listen, you come on Sundays. Maybe you listen on YouTube or do an MP3 or whatever, and you listen to something during the week, maybe, maybe two or three. You can listen up to 50, 60 songs a week. So don't tell me that if those songs aren't uplifting to God and don't have God's word and they're not in alignment with God's word, you are renewing your mind to thinking that is not God's thinking. So you will be the product of listening to sermons. And look, there's only two sides, church. There's God and there's the adversary. There's, we're, you're either going to heaven and you're spending eternity with God or you're going to spend an eternity without God. There's two options. When you listen to music, there are two options. You're getting a message from God that is in alignment with Scripture and renewing you and building you up to a perfect faith, or you're listening to music that is ripping you apart and tearing your thinking down and is going to destroy your faith. I, and so... I'm not bagging on your music, and I'm not going to get into that, but I'm telling you, if you want all that God has for you, you got to stop listening to the, the music that does not honor God and that music that does not in alignment with his word. And there's tons of music out there that blatantly contradicts the word of God. It teaches you things. It'll make your mind get fixed on those. And it's like, listen, you're like going to the church of Satan 60 times a week. Oh, but it's not that bad. Come on, it takes a spark for a fire, guys. Satan's not going to just jump in your head and tell you to go kill somebody. He's going to start out whispering in your ear, no one likes you. You're not good enough. You're ugly. And you get those principles when you meditate on words and songs. The problem with them and the blessing of them, like he said, go right to your heart and your mind. I'm telling you, church, listen to what Martin Luther said about it. We know he's best known for his justification by faith. Um, and he said this, yet one of Luther's enemies, listen to this, great preacher, one of Luther's enemies insisted that he had damned more souls with his hymns than with his sermons. People of every age are compelled to acknowledge the undeniable power of song. His enemy said that the, the hymns he wrote and sang got more people onto God in a good way than not. I just thought, wow. Listen, it gets even better. Luther uh, was himself passionately committed to the uh, primacy of music and song as a means both for spreading the gospel and the worship of God. He said this, I have no use for cranks who despise music said Luther, because it is a gift of God. Music drives away the devil and makes people happy. They forget their all wrath, unchastity, arrogance, and the like. Next, after theology, I give to music the highest place and the greatest honor. That's Luther, a great reformer of our church. Let's do a few more. Uh, some are surprised to hear what this great theologian thought about music that a man with such indomitable courage and intellectual brilliance should place such a high premium on song in unexpected, to say the least. He says this, experience proves, wrote Luther, that next to the word of God, only music deserves to be extolled as the, the mistress and governess of the feelings of the human heart. We know that to the devil's music is, um, we know that, to the devil's music is distasteful and insufferable, my heart bubbles up and overflows in response to music, which has so often refreshed me and delivered me from dire plagues. Wow. I, this really spoke to me. I'm going to read one more. Uh, he said this, he who does not find this singing an, uh, an inexpressible miracle of the Lord is truly a clod and is not worthy to be considered a man. Wow. Luther insisted that the gifts of language combined with the gift of songs was only given to man to let him know that he should praise God with both words and music, namely by proclaiming the word of God through music. 
Whether you wish to comfort the sad, to terrify the happy, to encourage the despairing, to humble the proud, to calm the passionate, or to appease those full of hate, name the emotions, inclinations, and affections that appeal men to evil or good. What more effective means than music could we find? I, to me, I want to take a little commercial break for singing because I know a lot of churches and people struggle with coming in here and really lifting their voice to God. And I'm telling you, it's a powerful weapon. When you start singing, it, it's, a, it's a combination of what your heart is starting to express with your body. And when your heart starts being able to express through your body, that means your spirit and your body and your mind are getting in alignment with God's word. And so it's an act of obedience, just like baptism is an act of obedience. Singing is really an act of obedience. Coming into that alignment with God is that. So I wanted you to, to know that. Um, it was good, huh? Martin Luther, who, did anyone else know? I was like, what? I loved it when I found that. So why is praise so difficult? Why is singing so difficult? The enemy wants nothing more than for you to be silenced and non-expressive. You gotta understand, church, that the enemy is working hard at keeping you not only from knowing God, but if you know God or believe in Jesus Christ, he's gonna still work on hard to pull you away, but he's gonna work all the harder to not get you close to that person. Ever had someone or known someone in your life that was trying to keep you from getting closer to somebody else? We, it's all over the movies, all over shows, the evil strife and, and gossip and slander and all the stuff that people do because they're jealous and mad and they'll do anything to keep people from becoming close and intimate. What do you think Satan's doing? He had the primary spot in heaven. He was a created being with instruments created in his being. And he chose himself and got cast down and booted out. He lived in the Tehillah. He didn't, he wasn't at the concert. He was on stage with God. He was having coffee with God. And he rejected that. And now he sees through Christ, you and me can all have that same spot. And he's madder madder in hell. He's mad. He don't want you to experience that. He doesn't want you to get in the presence of God. He wants you to stay far from God. He wants you to be afraid of God. He wants you to keep your distance from God. He wants you to keep your vices and your sin that keeps you from God. He, he loves it. He encourages it. He makes it easy. He reminds you of it. He keeps it alive and active in your mind so that you will not want to be around God because the more junk you have in you, you don't want to go next to some bright light, do you? I'm telling you, church, we have that option to get rid, choose for yourself this day whom you're going to serve. Are you going to serve the world and the devil, or are you going to serve God? There's two choices. That's it. And you have the choice to be with the master. I'm telling you, it's going to be better than you ever imagined. Heaven's going to be better than you ever imagined. Heaven is real. Guys, heaven, did you know that heaven is, is not a, a, a ferial place where we go and it's some mystical smoke? Do you guys know that, that heaven is going to be on this earth. Did you know that this is what the Bible says? Do you know that the city that's going to come down from heaven, the new Jerusalem, do you know how big that is? Me and Mark were reading a book together about it. The, this city's so big, and some, it, there's a little thing if it's real or not, but, or, or uh, figurative or not, but the city, it says the city's so big, it's six, about 1,600 miles wide, 1,600 miles long, and 1,600 miles high. If that were a building with 12-foot ceilings, and these aren't 12-foot ceilings. These are eight. 12-foot ceilings, so four feet higher than this, there would be 600,000 floors in this building. It blows you away, right? Well, it should because it's God. His building should blow us away. But I'm telling you, church, he's going to come, and the Bible says that he will rule and reign forever, forever. The line of King David down, Jesus will reign forever out of Jerusalem. We will serve him. Those that are faithful to the end are going to be rulers with him, and they're going to rule his whole creation with him. That's what you have coming. And all you got to do now is say no to the devil. No, I, that's not who I am. Don't, don't distract me from God's highest calling. Don't get me bent off on the side and keep me from all the great things that God has for me. 
I want to rule and reign with God. I don't want to be, I don't want to be without God for eternity. I want to be with him. Church, and that's what this transformation of, of Todah to Tehillah is about transforming and becoming like him. The Bible says that we are transformed from glory to glory. We're becoming more and more like Jesus every day, and that's a process. But it's so difficult, and it's so hard, and it's so resistant in some of your hearts and minds when you think about in just a few minutes as we're going to worship, you're thinking about, man, it takes effort, and there's going to be stuff that's going to hold you back in your thoughts and in your heart, and the enemy's going to try and distract you to get you thinking about something else, but keep focus and press in and just know that he wants you to be there. All right, so let's take a closer look at the word in Scripture. We'll look at uh, three things that's used in Scripture. Tehillah, uh, letter A there, is Tehillah as his dwelling place, a place where he dwells. Psalms 22.3, this is the one we were talking about early. Psalms 22.3 says this, yet you are holy, speaking of God, enthroned on the praise of Israel. That's New, New Living Translation. Uh, Young's Literal Translation says, and thou art holy, sitting the praise of Israel. Sitting. So the word sitting was translated for the word enthroned or dwelling. The, the word's interesting. It's yeshav in the Hebrew, and it means this. And this will get you excited, so get ready. So Here's the meaning, the definition from the dictionary on these, this Hebrew word. It means to inhabit, to dwell, to live, to stay, be in a place for any period of time, usually implying a longer amount of time. It can also be translated to be settled, be inhabited. How would you like to God and inhabit your praise? How about uh, come live with you? Cause to dwell, establish a dwelling place, settle. How about this? Set up camp. How do you like God to set up camp with you? You can do that today through Jesus Christ. You can invite him in and God will set up camp in your heart. He'll set up camp in your life. But in this form of worship, we are coming to a place where God inhabits the, he makes his camp with the Tehillah. He makes his dwelling place with Tehillah. And look at this last thing it says. It also is translated to marry. God will marry in the praise, the Tehillah of Israel. So in that form, in that highest, what is it about? It's about being so connected and close that you're getting so uh, married to him, close to him, that he's actually living with you and in you. The Bible says he lives in us and our spirit and his spirit are one. Look at verse uh, 1 and 2, though, of that same psalm. It says this in Psalms 22, 1 and 2, right before it says, you are enthroned in the Tehillah of God, or of Israel. It says this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Anyone ever been there? Anyone there now going through a season where you're like, God, I've been crying out for something. I've been asking. I've been crying for somebody to be saved or something to happen or a relationship to be healed or something, God, but i just not hearing nothing. And then the next very verse says, yet you are holy. You are enthroned. You camp. You make your dwelling. You set up a tent with me in, a, in that type of praise. God is saying, look, church. If you're going through tough times, when you're feeling lost and forsaken, when you're feeling like God's not hearing you, he says, praise him. Tehillah him. If you're feeling hard that God's not hearing you and you're not getting answers from God, don't get totally bummed out. Just start worshiping him with all your heart. So many answers are found in worship. So many of our answers and, and, and things that we desire and need in life are found in the presence of the Most High God. He wants that, God. He wants you more than anything right now. He wants you so when you're feeling lost or forsaken, praise him, tehillah him. Jesus also spoke to this concept in John 15, and I'm not going to go into this, but in John 15, verses 1 through, I think, 10 or 11, it talks about, it uses the word abide over about 11 times, the same word to abide, and that word abide means to dwell with, to make camp, to set up. It's the same concept, same word, and Jesus said this, I am the vine, 
And my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch that's in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, that it may be more fruitful. And he says in verse 4, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit, and apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch that and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. But in verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, so what is he talking about? Abiding, right? It said it like 22 times. Listen to where he goes, where Jesus goes, after he's talking about you and me abiding with him, setting up camp. Tehillah praise, being one with him, drinking coffee, oneness. Look where he goes. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. Yeah, that's what it says. And it will be done for you. Oh, wait a minute. Who would have thought God would talk about the importance of being with him and abiding with him? And then the very next sentence he says, and if you abide in me and you do this, you get this relationship, ask whatever you want, and I'll do it. What? That's God saying that. I'm not making this up. It's in red in your Bible. It's in red, guys. Jesus said it. And then verse 8, he says, by this, my father is glorified? Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> so we abide in him. We ask whatever we want, and he does it. And when we do that, he says, my father's glorified. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Who wants in on that plan? I do. That comes, guys, with entering into his presence worshiping him at home here at the church together, but getting in him, getting in the word, getting in, his, in prayer, being one with God. And when you abide in him, you're going to ask whatever you want, and he's going to do it. And some of you are thinking, man, I'm asking for a Mercedes, or I'm asking for a da-da-da-da-da. But your heart will be one with him. And so what the Bible teaches is that when you become one and abide with him, your heart becomes one with his, and now your desires start being his desires. and his des They become one, so you start thinking and desiring and wanting the very same thing that God wants. So then you can start asking God to save that person you know that doesn't save, and he's going to do it. Why? Because you abide with him, and it says if you abide, and in his word, ask whatever you wish, it will be done, this glorifies my father. Okay, God, I want, I want so-and-so to be saved. Let's do this. I want so-and-so. I want, I want healing. I want them to be healed. The Bible clearly says it. I, I'm not saying, I'm not making this stuff up. This is too good. Okay. We'll move on. The B, new, uh, the second place it's used, this is a place in your notes, a place of newness. So the first one, was a, a place of dwelling or abiding or setting up camp. The second form of this word's you or the other form of this word's used in the in the sense of a place of newness. It's a place of new songs. Psalms 40 verse 3 says, "He put a new song in my mouth, a song of tehillah to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord." So it's about a new song coming in correlation with tehillah. It's the same type of concept where God gives you a brand new song. You ever been praising the Lord and then all of a sudden you just, you're thinking new thoughts that you never thought and you just start praising them and thanking them? Have you ever been singing? I do this, like, and I know Chris probably has, and those of you that play guitar, you just can, you've probably done this. You're just playing guitar and you're playing a little, little three chord progression and you're just worshiping God and then all of a sudden you just start, words just start coming out. Like, you're singing song and you're like, where is this coming from? And it's, that's, the Holy Spirit, when you're becoming one and one with him, it's your spirit man just beginning to worship God and beginning to new songs from the heart of God. It's also talked about in Ephesians 2, Ephesians 5, uh, 8, uh, 18 through 20. It says, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Guys, it's about entering into a place where, with God that you're so enthroned with him, your spirit just starts bubbling over. It's almost the same experience as speaking in tongues. When you are saved, you have the spirit within. When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, the spirit comes upon you, and the spirit of God, utterances come out of your spirit, and your mind's unfruitful, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians. And so the spirit of God just started bubbling out, and you start speaking in tongues, and you're like, I don't even know what I'm saying, but it's coming out. And it's the same concept when we get so close to God, we're worshiping that it's almost like our mind starts, we're still worshiping with our mind, but then our spirit starts joining in and it's becoming one. And we're, we're worshiping God as one in us, right? It's a beautiful thing. It's a, it's a place of newness. It's a place of freshness. It's a place where you never get bored. It's a place of creativity where God comes in and gives you new thoughts, new concepts. And this is not all new stuff about just singing. This is new stuff about your relationships, your job, a new invention. Uh, come on, church. The Holy Spirit will t- tell you things and, and put stuff into your heart that you never even fathomed. But that's a different subject. Last one, Tehillah as the garment, a place of victory. Tehillah, so in, in Isaiah 61.3, he says this, to grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of tehillah instead of a faint spirit. Another translation says, a garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. Listen to what that word heavy means. It's a Hebrew word that means failing, weak, especially of a wick burning with very little flame. It's like the candle when they're just about to go out and they're getting less and less and it, you know it's just about it's wickering. It's almost out. Anyone feel at the end of their wick today? Anyone come in life and feeling like, oh, man, I don't know if I got any left. God says, get in Tehillah praise and I'll lift that off of you. I'll give you more. The word means also almost gone out, becoming dim, a faint light color becoming pale, a spirit broken down. Now listen, we read verse 3 of 61, and remember this verse is what Jesus stepped in the temple and read and said, this prophecy in Isaiah is just come true in front of your face, and you're looking at him. That's what Jesus said. And in Isaiah 61, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord has come, uh, of God has come upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prisons to those who are bound. Does that sound pretty good to anybody? I'm telling you, now look, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all those who mourn. And then he goes into verse 3, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty instead of ashes, and to give them a garment of tehillah instead of a faint spirit. Are you with me, church? Come on. This is good news. This is great news that it's a place of victory. It's God bringing you out of the depths of bondage and into his marvelous light. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for your word that's so powerful. We thank you for this time, God. And as we jump into worship for a few minutes here, God, we're so thankful for this opportunity to be on stage with you. Lord, we're so thankful to be able to have a cup of coffee and look you in the face. We're so thankful, God, to be able to hang out with you. You're so worth it. You're so good. So, Father, as we're heads are bowed and eyes are closed and we're just getting our hearts even more prepared to be in your presence. Father, we ask that you would anoint us, which means assist us by your Holy Spirit to press into your presence, to love on you, to know you, God. Lord, that's our heart's cry here at the rivers. Our heart's cry is that we would know you and to make you known. So God, we ask as we sing a few songs that we would put out whatever else is hindering us. Lord, remove all distractions. Remove all worry and fear and anxiety. 
Remove, Lord, the expectations of this afternoon and tomorrow, all the stresses of life and finances, God. We're asking that if we could just put that to the side and just focus on you, Lord, would you help us do that? Would you help us press into your room? Would you help us pass the outer gates and enter into your courts? Oh, God, we need you. We want you. We desire you. And Father, we love you. If there's anyone here today that doesn't know God, I want to give you that chance to know him. Because the first thing you got to do is enter the gate. If you don't enter the gate, you can't get into the courts. And the gate, Jesus said, was him. In fact, Jesus said, there's no other way to the Father except through Jesus. And if you've never taken that gate, you've never walked through that gate, and you would say to me, Pastor Doug, I've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life, and I want to come in that gate. I want to experience the God that you're talked about today. Your first very step in your act of worship is to ask Jesus to be your Lord, to confess your sin, to repent, and turn to him. If that's you this morning, you say, yeah, Pastor Doug, I want to do that. I want to, I want to repent, and I want to turn, and I want to ask Jesus to be my Lord. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand up, and I'm going to pray with you after service, and we're going to talk about that. Is there anyone here today that would say, yep, Pastor Doug, that's me. I don't know Jesus, and I want to spend eternity with him, not without him. If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask for you to raise your hand up. Let me see you. Raise your hand up, and we're going to pray after service. And we'll make sure that you're going to spend an eternity with God and not away from him. Is there anyone here today that say, yeah, that's me, Pastor. I'm, uh, I'm going to give my life to him. Anybody at all? Well, Father, you see our hearts. And God, I pray that over the next few minutes before we do baptisms, Lord, that you would just prepare our hearts over the next few songs and be with us. We need you. We love you. We ask for your anointing in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you sing and worship with us? Guys, right now I'm just going to ask that you, you can stand, you can stay seated, get a place where you're comfortable, and let's just give God the next few moments, and let's press in with our hearts to him and see what he has for us.